0: You're listening to the Sojourn Church New Albany Sermon Series, Sacred, The Wonder of God's World. In this series, we'll learn to see the goodness of God's world as men and women who have received the opportunity to become life-giving people, creatively fulfilling the mission given to us by God.
1: Now hear the word of the Lord from Genesis 2, 18-25. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them, and the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals, but still there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone, and flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman, because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Amen. Good morning, sojourn, peace be with you. Uh, my name is Stephen, I'm one of the pastors here at Sojourn, and our mission here at Sojourn is to reach people with the gospel, build them up as the church, and send them out into the world. Uh, so if you're joining us, we've been uh, going through the book of Genesis, we've started in chapter one, we're working our way through chapter two, and we're going to do chapter three uh, here in a little bit, but uh, if you've also, if you were here last week, it's not deja vu, it's the exact same thing, right? So you're like, wait a second, we did this last week, right? Yeah, right? And so it's like, well, we can't talk about the same passage twice in a row. That's not allowed, right? We have to keep going. Well, so there's a lot to be said about this passage. And last week, we really focused in on the idea of marriage. And this week, we're going to see that this is actually bigger than marriage. Uh, You see marriage here. It's clearly evident in this. But this is showing us a bigger pattern design that God has set forth in his word about who he is and who we are. Uh, And you see, it's about community. Um, So... The thing that I want you to see here is like, and again, the end goal is that God is showing us that we become one family, right? We start off as separate, but we become one family, the family of God for those who are in Christ. So marriage is a great example of this, separate people becoming one, but have you ever had an experience where you have multiple people become one? I had a great experience when this happened, uh, and maybe you've had the same sort of thing, but when I worked summer camp for the first time, Uh, it was amazing. Uh, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life. We started getting to know each other before camp started through online interactions and we would joke and cut up. And then we got to be together for two weeks before camp started, setting up everything, working on mission projects together, scheming together about how we were going to tell kids about Jesus. And it was amazing. Uh, and it started to happen that we became one group of people. We started to think the same things. We were able to finish each other's sentences. Uh, and if you know me, like I, the, one of the things that I say, and it's just a catchphrase, is uh, appreciate your ministry. If you've been around me long enough, you've heard me say that. That's because I was around a, a, one of my favorite people in the world, Dinah Bolton, and she said it all the time. And so now I say it all the time. And we just became a part of one another. We were one big group. And we felt like one family. Now, was it perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. There were some really big arguments. There were some real hurt feelings. Uh, there were some things that were shared that shouldn't have been shared, such as I got swine flu and gave it to everybody else. All right? So that's what happens when you're all in like one little tiny space. But what happened, though, was a bunch of different people united as one. And we see that sort of pattern, like this is God's endgame, that we, a bunch of different people, unite as one body, as one building, with Christ as the head and as the cornerstone. And so this, this unity is what you see in, a, or in 1 Corinthians 12, where it says there is one body, but it has many parts. But all its many parts make up one body. It is the same with Christ. We were all baptized by one Holy Spirit, and so we are formed into one body. It didn't matter whether we were Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free people. We were all given the same spirit to drink. So the body is not made up of just one part. It has many parts. And so I think we all like this idea of unity. We do. We genuinely like unity. I think the problem is that embedded in this idea of unity is this idea of diversity and this idea of difference. And I don't think most people would articulate it this way, but it seems that we're looking forward to God bringing unity because then God will fix our differences. And what we really mean by that is when God finally unites us all, people will re- realize, like, the right way is my way, right? Our differences will be fixed because everyone will be and think like me. And, and what I want you to see this morning is Jesus did not come to fix the problem with differences, and he didn't come to fix the problem of diversity with unity. He came to unite us. And so, as we walk through Genesis 2 this morning... I want you to see that this idea that we have unified diversity, right? We have unified diversity, and it's not a sin problem. It was God's design from the very beginning. And so here's, here's the big thing that I want you to see, the big picture, the thesis statement. You ready? Write it down. God's glory is found in unified diversity, right? God's glory is found in unified diversity. So first, let's look, we see as God is a God of diversity. So you see in that first part, it said, The Lord God is not good, For the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will find and make a suitable helper for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each the living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, the sky, and all the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So first, I just want to kind of acknowledge as we're talking through this this morning, I'm using the word diversity, and that is a highly politicized term. Right? So, a lot of people, it's either a great term, it's a wonderful thing, or it's something to be kind of nervous about. And so, I want to acknowledge this morning when I'm using that, I'm using it as a broad term to mean the abundance that God has created. Right? So, let's think about like God created diversity when He created trees. He didn't make one kind of tree, He made an abundance. Right? He didn't make one kind of star, He made billions and billions of stars. He didn't make one kind of animal, He made millions of animals. Right? So, this is a good abundance. So diversity is a good thing. And and he made humans diverse from the very beginning, right? So let's look at this pattern, right? And he says to Adam, right, it isn't good for you to be alone. So then he brings all the animals before him and he says, okay, none of these are suitable helpers. And then he says, so I'm going to make something that's like different from you, right? And here's another interesting thing. What he does, it says he takes his rib, right? It's really not his rib. Like the translation is he takes, it's like an architectural sermon. It's like he takes his side. So he's kind of, he clefts him in twain, right? And takes one side of him and he multiplies him. He diversifies Adam, just boof, right? And notice that he doesn't clone him. He doesn't just say, hey, Adam, we're going to make another, we're going to make Steve, right? Adam and Steve. No, he says, we've got Adam and Eve, right? We have a man and a woman, right? We have two separate different things. God, from the very beginning, is making humans diverse, right? And he is showing his glory by creating this diversity. And we see this throughout, this pattern of God making diverse things throughout the rest of Scripture, right? You think about what happens with Noah, right? Noah is commanded, all right, you take your people from the boat, and you go out, and you spread out, right? And you you take dominion, in different places. And when you take dominion in different places, you're going to create different cultures based on where you live. That is diversity. And guess whose idea that was? That was God's idea. Think about the Tower of Babel, right? So God says, this is not good. They are uniting for sinful purposes. So I'm going to give them what? Different languages. So, like, think about it. That's God's response to sin is different languages, but God does not make sin with different languages. He is creating diversity with different languages. It is a good design that God put in place to keep sin from abounding. So God, he just, again, throughout Scripture, he keeps creating things new and different and beautiful. So God is a God of diversity. We see that. And, and we, we intrinsically know this. We like diversity. Right? Imagine if there was only one ice cream flavor. Right? We'd be like, "Uh uh uh." Or imagine if there was only one movie to watch. Or if there was only one song to listen to. Right? We we intrinsically like diversity. It is it is ingrained in us because we are made in whose image? God's image, and God is a god of diversity. But diversity, like any good gift from God, can be used in ways that God didn't intend it. be used, and it can go sideways. So diversity, right, with Adam and Eve, it is meant to unite and multiply. Diversity is meant to unite and then multiply, but we can use it to separate and conquer. And so anytime that you use diversity to say, you over here, you over here, and now we're going to try to conquer each other or put each other down, we are now using diversity as a weapon. And so diversity is meant to be a gift to unite and multiply, and when we use it as a gift to conquer and divide and conquer, where you're not using that gift the way that God intended it to be used. So you have diversity without unity creates factions which create chaos. And we have just seen, again, who is God? God is not a God of chaos, right? So if you want to have diversity the way that God intended it, you have to have diversity with unity. So again, let's, let's go back to this passage, we're going to see the pattern that God is creating diversity with the intention of different things being united. So God is the God of unity. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So again, notice he diversified. He said there's one man, and now we have man and woman, right? They're diverse. And if you see, right, and you look back at Genesis 1 27, you see that this diversity is a reflection of who God is in the Trinity, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We have a reflection in humanity of who God is by our diversity. But we also have a reflection of who God is by his unity. With a way that, and this is fascinating me, I never saw this until I was looking at this passage this time. What happens that God says, hey, I'm going to make Adam and Eve, boom, two. And what is the point of their two? He says, and they shall leave their father and mother and come back together and become one. And this is, it's a pattern that you see throughout Scripture where there, there's, there's multiple things made and then they come back and they make one. And this is what I'm trying to say. This is the end game of God has made all of us different, unique individuals, and we have all spread out over the face of the earth, and he's bringing us back together to be one body. Right? This is a pattern. This is not something that God was saying, oops, I'm going to have to figure out how to fix that. This was the design from the beginning. This is before the fall. And so I just want you to see, like, this pattern. This is something that God is. this idea of unity from different things is throughout the scriptures. So Galatians 3.28 There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there any male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Psalm 133.1, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Romans 12.4-5, for just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, though many form one body, each member belongs to all the others. Unity is beautiful. It is a characteristic of God. And God made Adam and Eve to be unified as one because he made them different. And this is such a striking idea that he made these things different to be one. And so, just like diversity though, unity can be used in ways that God did not mean it to be used. We always think unity is great unless you look at, the Tower of Babel, right? Let's go back to this story that happens in Genesis chapter 11. They are united. They have one language. They have one purpose, right? We are going to build this tower and make a name for ourselves, right? It is a sinful desire to say, God, we don't need you. We will do this ourselves. And God looks at it and he says, you know what? They could do anything. And he's like, and as a matter of fact, the last time this happened in chapter uh, seven with that Noah guy, I had to flood the place. So (coughs) no, we're not doing that this time. And he gives them separate languages, right? So he says, right, there is unity here that is not good, right? It is is all the same. There is no room for differences at the Tower of Babel. And God says, we're not doing that, right? The goal was for you to spread out, right? So we're going to have one giant human family, right? That is one, but not one for sinful purposes, right? And you can see that throughout history, how many times groups and cultures have come together together for sinful purposes, they have united for things that are inappropriate and against God. Right? So unity is not just a oh, it's great to be unified. There has to be diversified unity. Diversified unity. Easy for me to say. Like God is a God who is glorified by unified diversity. So in our church setting, if you want to think about it, right? Diversity without unity right? So if there's lots of different things with no unity in a church that creates factions, right? And that causes what we would call in my home church uh, a church plant, right? Which is now called a church split, right? But it's, oh, no, we're sending them out because we can't be unified, right? So in a church setting, diversity without unity creates factions, right? So then you think about the flip side of that. Well, what is unity without diversity, Let's all be one. Let's all be the same. Let's not have any differences at all. That is a cult, right? We're all wearing the same shoes, the same robes, and drinking the same. It's like, no, we're not doing that, right? So we don't want to have diversity with no unity, but we certainly don't want to have unity with no diversity. So if God is a God who we see who he is by unified diversity, right? So what do we call unified diversity, University, no, we call it harmony, right? When there's unified diversity, we have harmony. And if you want to think about it, it's, it's like a symphony, right? If you had diversity, just straight diversity, everybody playing what they wanted, whenever they wanted, at any time, that is going to grate your ears, right? And you're, that is not something that's beautiful. At the same time, if you had unity, which is everybody plays the same note at once for the whole time, right? Right? that is going to be monotonous. But if you have harmony of different instruments playing unified music from the same piece of music with notes that blend together, you're going to have harmony and it's beautiful. And so we see that God is a God who is glorified by unified diversity or God is a God that is glorified by harmony. So again, if we look at this passage and we want to see who God is by the way that he's designing the world, you see that this one, right, one man becomes Adam and Eve, and those two become one with a point of multiplying out to fill the earth. And then if you follow the pattern of Genesis, this is fascinating to me. If you follow the pattern of Genesis, then you have this focus that comes back to Noah, one man, one man then it spreads out, and then it focuses back in on one, the Tower of Babel, and then that's spread out, and then you come back to this man of Abraham that's one. He has one family that spreads out, and that family becomes disunited, right? And then, but that one family creates one king, right? But then that king is spread out, and then you have all these, and it keeps this one becomes many, many becomes one, and it doesn't quite ever work the way it's supposed to because there's all these factions that keep happening, And yet there is the one who comes, who is able to perfectly unite all these different factions, and that's Jesus, right? He is the head. He is the cornerstone. He is the way that all these different things will finally be able to be unified in harmony, right? Not saying we all have to be the same, not saying that we all can be whatever we want to, but that we can be the unified diversity that God has made us to be, right? And so then what's the goal of this is to become one in Christ. And this is what's also fascinating about this, is this idea of the whole New Testament, Paul's writing, he's talking about unity in Christ, but unlike other religions, this isn't you lose yourself. So if you think about it, Hinduism, Buddhism, what happens is the goal is oneness with Brahma, oneness with the universe, right? And the idea is you lose all sense of yourself, You are no longer you, you are just wrapped up in this thing and your sense of self is totally gone. But that is not what happens with scripture, right? You are 100% united with Christ and part of his body and united with him. But then you're also 100% you, right? So this is entirely different than any other religion in the world, this oneness that creates space for you to be entirely yourself. So it's unified diversity, Now, the other thing that you have to notice, though, is what Jesus is saying about this is he's he's not saying it's not like you and I will just be united. And then just you and like Jesus and this other person will be united. It's not just one way with God. It's actually the unity of the body. Right. So think about this in John 17. Right. Jesus says, Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they, meaning the disciples, may be one as we are one. And that notice when Jesus says the greatest commandment, right, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that he follows that up, and this is a fascinating phrase where he says the second commandment, the second most important, is like the first. How so, Jesus? How so is the second commandment to love your neighbor like the first? Well, think about it. When you love the Lord your God, Right? You give yourself to him. It is a giving of self. Right? And what is happens with when we love our neighbors as ourselves? We give ourselves. We become one with God and we become one with each other. And so this idea of unified diversity is this beautiful dance that follows giving and taking. Right? And it's what the followers of Christ do to become one with one another. We are one with Christ and one with one another, and that is such an important and beautiful detail of the story that God is crafting in our lives. So, God is a God whose glory is found in unified diversity. His glory is found in harmony when we work together. So practically speaking, what does unified diversity look like in our church? There's lots of different things to talk about here lots of different things. We could go lots of different directions. But I want to talk something that's like really simple. Uh, and that is simply like, what does it look like to have unified diversity with people of different relationship statuses? I mean, think about like right now, if you look around the room, most of us are married with kids or married who've had kids, right? And notice last week we had a whole sermon, right? It's, it's on marriage, and so what would it look like if we were a church that had unified diversity in our relationships, right? A lot, of our, a lot of our events are based on like family events, right? Where we've got kids events, right? So how do we say we honor and value singles, whether that's never married, whether that's widowed, whether that's divorced? How do we create space to say we want you, we value you, we want to be united with you? Right, And one thing, that, and this is where I can see where we haven't done this, is, and I've heard this conversation multiple times, is somebody will say, you know, I was talking to somebody who was married, and they said, well, you just don't get it because you're single. You just don't get it because you're, you've never had kids in this day and age. Like, and it's this sense of, like, because you're not like me, you have nothing to offer to me. And what I'm trying to say is, what would it look like to say, you know what? I am so thankful you're not like me because you can see it in a way that I can't. Right? You are you're you're single, and so when you get together with other families and you're like, it all feels like we're drowning because the kids are crazy, right? And then you have a single person come in, and they're like, you know, it's it's you guys can like take a breath and you're like, you don't get it, right? But it would actually be helpful to have somebody who's just not in it. Like to be able to take a step back and be like, actually, I I can see a little differently, and this might be helpful. And just think about, like, and then we take that and we make it a part of ourselves because we love that person. Right? And this is what unified diversity can look like. And so my hope this morning is that we do that in all areas of our lives. But in particular, I really want to focus in on just, like, maybe this morning you can think about how can you be unified, with people who have a diverse or different relationship status than you do. So unified diversity, it's a beautiful thing. It is a God-given gift because it is what God, is. who God is. He is unified diversity in the Trinity. And so he has created us to be, at the end, unified diversity in the body of Christ. And we celebrate that. We celebrate that unified diversity every week with communion. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took a loaf of bread and when he him thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
1: Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series, audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.